Okay, we are doing Zerah Shimshon Drush Hay. And here's the context. The context is <coughs> we're on the precipice right when Kal Yisrael are going to be taken out of Mitzrayim. Hashem, the beginning of Parshat of Perak Yud Beis, is redeeming Kal Yisrael. So the redemption process begins before Makas Pachoros when Moshe is, is spoken to by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the Pasuk makes a point of saying, Vayomer Hashem Moshe the Eretz Mitzrayim Lemar, that Hashem speaks to them in the land of Mitzrayim. So with the Medrash, notes is that the Pasuk is emphasizing that he's talking in the land of Mitzrayim. I mean, obviously Moshe's in Mitzrayim. What's the point? But the point is, it seems that there are many different methods of communication between the Rabboni Shalom and man. They can happen in all different orders and in, in settings and contexts. It could be a dream. Moshe can be transported somewhere else. There could be a thick cloud that Hashem comes and, 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 and reveals himself in. There are different, different forms. And the Pasuk that saying that he comes in the land of Mitzrayim it sounds like there's a, speci- a specific point that Hashem shows up like in the Tumah, like HaKadosh Baruch who comes into the, the Tumah of Mitzrayim to speak to Moshe Rabbeinu. Bishvil Mi, says the Medrash, Bishvil Mi Nigla HaKadosh Baruch Mitzrayim. Why is Hashem coming into Mitzrayim? Why would he do that? You want to communicate? There are so many other methods of communication. You don't have to, Hashem doesn't have to go into the land of Mitzrayim himself. So the answer is, why did Hashem do it? Bishvil Moshe. The reason why he did it is all for the sake of Moshe Rabbeinu. What does that mean? What does that mean? It's for the sake of Moshe. Moshe needed Hashem to come in. So the Medrash tells us a muscle. So let's take this muscle slow. It's an interesting muscle here. Amar Rabbi Nisim. Rabbi Nisim tells us, muscle lekohen, this can be compared to a Kohen. Now, a little, I guess, maybe a little word of introduction. A Kohen, we know, cannot become Tummy. That's clear that a Kohen cannot become Tummy. <coughs> but there are different forms of Tumma. There's a Tumah, obviously you touch a dead body, that's a Tumah Midaraisa. There's not much leeway over there for a coin to touch a dead body. But then there were other scenarios. There were scenarios of fields that may have had dead bodies buried in them years ago, and you know, there might have been plowing and planting and reaping taking place in the years for a long time, in the, in the field for a long time. And at this point, there's probably only some bone fragments at best, which remain. But it's m- most likely there's not an actual body that's there anymore. So that form of the field is called the base hapras. A base hapras is a field which is only midrabana and tummy. Most likely the coin who would walk there wouldn't actually be encountering any tumma. But midrabana, they said, you know, a whole field, a hundred by a hundred, is meant to be stayed away from. So here we go. Moshal the coin. Here's a story with a coin. Jalo gina shaltainim. The coin had a fig orchard. Inside the orchard was a base of pras, meaning the orchard was huge area, but there was one area, one part of the orchard, one field in the orchard, which was a base of pras. Again, a base of pras is a place where at one point historically there was a grave, but over time it's been plowed over. So now today there's only fragments of the body which are remaining. The coin wants to go and eat figs. Now, he's, a, you know, he's the boss man. He's got many people working under him. So he's not going and picking the figs personally. So he told someone, Go tell my sharecropper. Go tell the sharecropper that the owner of the orchard said that you should bring him figs. So basically, he's telling his personal assistant here, Go tell the sharecropper who's in the field to bring me my figs. So halach. This uh, assistant goes, and he reports to the sharecropper that the owner of the field wants his figs. The sharecropper responds. He says as follows, Who in the world is this orchard owner that you're talking about? What, who is this owner? Who owns the orchard? You go stay in your own lane. Don't come and tell me to go bring figs to the owner of the orchard. There is no owner of the orchard. There is no owner of the orchard. So the sharecropper completely defies the message brought to him by the assistant. 
When the messenger comes back and tells this to his boss, so the Kohen, the, the boss man says, I'm personally going to go to the orchard. I'm going to go myself. I'm going to pay a visit to my orchard and send them a lesson. People say, you're going to go to the orchard? You can't go. If there's Tuma there. It's a base of pras. Ordinarily, a Kohen can't go there. Amr Lehem, he said as follows, I don't care how many Tumas there are. Let there be 100. Who cares? I'm going to go. So that my messenger will not be embarrassed. Let's just understand what happened. I sent my messenger to the sharecropper. My messenger got embarrassed. He got disgraced. He was told, get out of here. Go stay in your own lane. There is no owner of the, of the orchard. I'm going to go and defend the honor of my assistant. That's why I'm going to go personally. I, there's Toman. I'm not allowed to go there. I don't care. I got to defend the honor of my, of my, of my assistant. That's what this Kohen said. Now, the Medrash continues. What's the nimshal here? Kach, kishal Yisrael by Mitzrayim when the Jewish people were in Mitzrayim. Amar kolish baruch Moshe. Hashem told Moshe, go tell Paro. So let's just figure out here. Hashem is the boss man who owns the whole orchard. Moshe Rabbeinu is the assistant. And the sharecropper in this scenario is Paro. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe, go tell Paro to free the Jews, which is the equivalent of go tell the sharecropper to bring me my figs. Halach Moshe. Moshe goes and tells Paro that, uh, the, the, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants him to send the Jews. Amalo, what does Hashem say? What does Paro say? Mi Hashem Who is this Hashem that I should listen to his voice? Hashem. I don't know Hashem. So that is the message of Paro. I don't know that there's an owner of the orchard. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hashem responds, then you know what? I personally will go to Mitzrayim. And then the Medrash continues. It says in the, in the, in the Pasuk in Yeshua, it's actually talking about a future Geula that didn't even happen yet. But it says, Masa Mitzrayim, <coughs> there's a prophecy that will happen in Mitzrayim. And the Pasuk goes on to say, Hashem will come in a light cloud. He will descend to Mitzrayim. All the gods of Egypt will tremble in front of him and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will redeem us. So this is the message that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says. You disgrace Moshe. When Moshe came, you say, who are you? Get out of here. There is no God. I'm going to go down and defend the honor of Moshe. What happens is, as soon as Hashem's about to go into the land of Tumah, the Malachi Ashari say, You're going to Egypt? What's Egypt? It's a place of Tumah. You're a Kaddish Baruch Hu. How in the world would you go into Mitzrayim? Amar Lehem, a Kaddish Baruch Hu responds, No, no, no. I don't care. I have to go. I don't want my agent Moshe to be disgraced. In order to make sure that my agent is not disgraced, it's absolutely important that I go myself and show the cover for Moshe Rabbeinu. This is the meaning of the Lamar. This is what Hashem told Moshe and Aaron saying, Hashem came to them in the land of Mitzrayim. So, so far, let's just recap what the Medrash said. So far, it's just quoted a Medrash. The Medrash is understanding why does Hashem come and talk to Moshe and Aaron in Mitzrayim? There's like this emphasis that he comes down personally in Mitzrayim. The idea is, it's like the marshal here. You have an orchard, an assistant, and a sharecropper. The owner of the orchard tells his assistant to go tell the sharecropper to bring him figs. The assistant goes, the sharecropper says, I don't know about any owner of the orchard. Get out of here. This upsets the owner of the orchard. The owner of the orchard says, I'm going to go myself down to the field. Why? To defend the honor of my assistant. He should not be disgraced. That is the key. People say to him, what do you mean? You can't go. You're a Kohen. A Kohen is not allowed to go into a place that has Tumah in it. If you're not allowed to go into a place that has Tumah in it, you can't go. The owner of the orchard says, I don't care how much Tumah there is there. I have to go defend the honor of my assistant. The nimshal is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe to go tell Paro, to tell to take us out of Mitzrayim. Paro says, I don't know about any HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mr. Assistant, get out of here. Moshe, I have nothing to do with you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I must defend the honor of my Moshe Rabbeinu. Therefore, I have to go down to Mitzrayim. The Malachim say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're Kadosh Vitar, you're like the Kayin. How can you go to a place of Tumah? HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds, but to go 
<coughs> defend the honor of Moshe Rabbeinu, I must go down to Mitzrayim. This is the end of the Medrash. Now, there are many questions here. The first question to ask is, What's this whole business that HaKadosh Baruch Hu waits to go to Mitzrayim? Like, he would have gone right away. He's reluctant. He doesn't go. But then when Moshe goes, and when Moshe is sent away in disgrace, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes back. Why doesn't HaKadosh Baruch Hu just go right away? What's this whole thing? Send Moshe, he fails, and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides, only then will he go. Umikoshukin all and even moreover, Shekhtiaklavos, wasn't that the promise that Hashem made of Allah Kalo Gam Allah that I'm gonna make sure the Jews get out? It means that Hashem himself was going to do it. Of course, Hashem is going to take us out of Mitzrayim. Why did Hashem not just go by himself in the first place? What's this whole Indian of sending Moshe Rabbeinu into a failure where Paro is just going to say, I don't know who your boss is. And then our Kaddish Baruch has to prove he's the boss. What, what kind of game is this? This is a really, really piercing question. <clears throat> when HaKadosh Baruch Hu does take us out, that step, that, that's honoring Moshe Rabbeinu, that shows that Moshe is special. Maybe Moshe is really a phony and he couldn't do anything and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is really just going to save Kal because Hashem could. Meaning when Hashem goes and saves us, that doesn't prove that, he's, that, that he is honoring Moshe Rabbeinu's kavod. That you don't see that at all. He's just going and doing the work that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't do. If anything, you could interpret the story differently. Moshe Rabbeinu goes down, he can't get the job done. HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes and he does it. Where do you see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is honoring Moshe Rabbeinu? And this is really the, it's the same question. He puts, puts in different words. Does that really going to bring honor to Moshe? The truth is, we'll end up being shameful for him. People are going to say, When Moshe came, Paro didn't do anything. As soon as God comes, Hashem does, then, then, then Paro does everything. Moshe ain't suffering the gloom. That means Moshe is worthless. Moshe is the man who tries, attempts, and fails. Akalish Baruch who comes in and boom, power listens. He gives an example, a biblical example. Gechazi, in the case of the Shunamit son, where you have that whole story where there was an Elisha, and Elisha had a tenant, Gechazi. Gechazi tries to do it on behalf of Elisha. He can't do the job. Eventually, the, you know, the, the Navi's got to come down himself and do it. And that, that doesn't reflect well on, on the agent. So, where's Moshe Rabbeinu getting covered in this whole story? All right, I'm just gonna but just go skip the, the other questions just to go through them quickly because I really want to develop his main idea here tonight is going to be very strong. Another question is if you notice what is going on? The Kohen's not allowed to go to the orchard because the orchard is tummy, right? You're not allowed to go. So what does he say? But I have to step up. I have to stick up for the honor of my agent. What, what, what kind of answer is that? If a Kohen can't go, then a Kohen can't go. Like, what, what is the answer? And the other question is that why are we singling out, even if there would be 100 Tumas? That was the language of the Medrash. Even if there would be 100 Tumas in the field, I still would go. Well, what, what, what was the significance of 100? What exactly does that number represent to us? <clears throat> okay. So he's now going to suggest an important, <clears throat> an important point, which is really going to be a paradigm shift. That if you notice, this time that Hashem is speaking to Moshe, he's not taking Klal Yisrael out. That's not what's happening yet. We're before Makas Bachoros, we're before the actual Yetzirah Mitzrayim. What's happening now is just that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu in the land of Mitzrayim, and he's telling us, you know, there's Allah about Kiddush HaKodesh, that there's going to be a Seder, that you have how you eat matzah, how you eat mara, not to have chametz, all of the halachas. Hashem is communicating to Moshe Rabbeinu in the land of Mitzrayim. So the validation here, I think this is the key, the validation to Moshe is not that Hashem is going to save us when Moshe couldn't. 
It's that Paro sends Moshe Rabbeinu away and says, I'm not dealing with you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes in Mitzrayim and speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu. That's in a nutshell what's going to shift here. It's not the salvation that Hashem does that Moshe wasn't able to do. It's the fact that Paro sends Moshe and says, who are you? And Hashem comes down and he says, who are you? I'm going to speak to Moshe. Forget about saving the Jews. That will happen at a later point. But who is Moshe? I will speak to Moshe. That's essentially the shift that he's going to make in the answer. So here we go. Just skip the next few lines where he brings the, a few more questions. And now let's get to his point. We could suggest... We have to ask ourselves an important question. What was power really saying when he says, I don't know Hashem? What does that mean, I don't know Hashem? And he's so brazen to speak against God that as if God doesn't exist. Do you think power really believed that there was no God? The entire Egyptian population lived in anxiety of fear of what God was going to do to them. That's the whole thing. What was the whole thing? That they saw, the stargazer saw that there was going to be a Jewish baby boy who was going to be born and he was going to save the Jewish people and they're cheshbening. How can we make sure there are no baby boys? Oh, we'll throw them into the rivers. And then they also see what is the way to fight the God of Israel? They say with water because the one thing that the God of Israel cannot deal with is the water. The marvel destroyed the world. All of the thought process of these brilliant Egyptian advisors was all around how to fight God. That was the whole story. Let's outsmart God. That's the whole story. So how can Paro, in an honest way, say, I don't know God? What do you mean you don't know God? You're obsessed. Every cabinet meeting, you discuss how you're going to beat God. And then you say you don't know God. What's the Pashup shot in the story? So he explains, that's why when you bring the parable, it comes, it, it hits home. What is the sharecropper telling the messenger? I don't know who the owner of the orchard is. What, what kind of idiot would say that? You're a sharecropper. Obviously, you're working for somebody. Who are you working for? What do you mean you don't know the owner of the orchard? What it's saying is, so Kol Kavanaso, when power was denying it, his point was, He's saying, when I'm talking to you, I don't know who the orchard belongs to. You don't talk to me on behalf of the owner of the orchard. That's what the sharecropper is saying. He's saying, I deal in my business with the owner of the orchard. I'm above speaking to some little insignificant emissary sent to me from the owner of the orchard. Who, when he says, who is the owner of the orchard? He's saying, who are you to represent the owner of the orchard? That's really what the sharecropper is saying. The sharecropper is not denying that he's a sharecropper and that he's working for somebody else. He's not making a claim that the fruits belong to him and the figs are his. But he's saying, you don't tell me that. If from, from your frame of reference, when I'm talking to you in the dialogue, I tell you with a straight face, who is the owner of the orchard? There is no owner of the orchard. If it's not you, then get out of here. I'll deal with him directly. That's what Paro was saying. The entire dialogue between Moshe and Paro, where Paro has this such strong denial, this brazen denial. It's not a denial of God in, essentially. It's a denial of Moshe Rabbeinu being a representation of HaKadosh Baruch That's what Paro is denying. A very nice Chiddush that he brings. He says, who is the orchard owner? He makes himself as if he doesn't know. It, what he's really doing is just challenging whether or not the messenger is actually a good representative of the owner of the orchard. So now, so far, you can already start seeing the, the theory here in its development, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to stick up for Moshe Rabbeinu. We'll, we'll get to HaTzal's Klal Yisrael in a, in a minute when we get to Makas Bachoros and we take them out. But right now, 
Hashem comes and he speaks to Moshe. He's going to communicate all the halachos. Where does Hashem do that? He goes into Mitzrayim, he goes into the Tumah, and he goes and he speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu. He identifies Moshe Rabbeinu as his person. That's the key. The struggle at this point between Moshe Rabbeinu and power was whether Moshe had the validity and significance as Moshe Shliach HaKadosh Baruch who descends and communicates with Moshe Rabbeinu directly in Mitzrayim to show that Moshe Rabbeinu is HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shliach. Okay, that's a basic point. Nothing too, too novel. Nice, good idea. Now, we're going to get into a couple of halachas here, which are going to bring out such a tifkite in the way the halacha comes with the muscle and Mitzrayim. It's, it's all going to come together. We have to know what the Gemara of Vodazar says. Generally, a coin can't go into a base of pras. Remember, what's a base of pras? A place where the grave once was, but it was dug up. It was, it was brecked by plows, and now it's just fragmented. Or to any land outside of Israel. You notice halacha, interesting. On any land, any soil outside of Israel, has the same level of rabbinic tomah as base of pras. On all the soil outside of Israel is tummy. A coin is really only meant to be in Israel. If he goes into one of these places, Lokam Makas Mardis. they give him lashes. It's not biblical lashes because Midaraisa, there's no Tumah. If you're a soil outside of Israel, there's a Tumah Dika place or a base of Pras. However, Midrabanan, it's Hasrik. Mashal Kasaram, Perigimel, Melchazal. The Alpha PK, nonetheless, Arminan Hasam, Shemahilik, Lumotor, Lisisha, Hutter, Lolikanis, Misham. Since it's only Midrabanan, there are exceptions when you're allowed to go. If it's a biblical Tumah, you can't go, you can't go. <clears throat> but since it's only rabbinic Tumah, there are exceptions. If you're going to learn Torah, meaning, let's say you're going to a Rebbe who has a yeshiva outside of Israel, his yeshiva is in the base of Pras, then the coin's allowed to go. Or let's say it's a Shidduch, which he, is, which he is pursuing, to marry a woman, to get the wife, you're allowed, for the coin can even go and transgress on these. Very interesting. But very important needs, the rabbis were lenient. Comes along Taisvitz, and he says, It doesn't mean any need that comes up in life. The Kohen can be Matami himself, Madarabonan. It has to be very important mitzvah. We know how important Torah study is. It brings a person to fulfillment of Torah. We know how important it is to get married. The whole purpose of the world is populating the world. So, since those are so important things, therefore, the Kohen can transgress them. The Shar mitzvah is low. Taisa says, No other mitzvah. For example, Let's say there's a pair of tefillin. I'll just give you a very basic example. A coin doesn't have tefillin to put on today. The only pair of tefillin is in the base of pras. Could the coin go and be over on the rabbinic tumah to go get the tefillin to fulfill the mitzvah? What taisa sashita? No. <clears throat> the Gemara said two things. Lisa isha tamatayra. Those are the highest mitzvahs possible. Other mitzvahs, the rabbis would be strict for. Only the highest level. However, that's all from taisa's. When the Rambam codifies the halacha, he adds other things that you could be lenient for. Remember, which is like the highest value, which is to be mechabit people, human dignity. That's always the idea of a body getting buried right away, not embarrassing people. Kavod abrios, honoring, making sure that people have the right kavod. Such a thing, a coin can be metam himself with the It's a fascinating concept. Kavod abrios, the Rambam codifies, is on that same high level. Let's say there's a mourner who's in the base of pras, and you want to console the mourner. Can the Kohen go there? Yes, because that's covered up Let's say another interesting thing. Let's say there's a case where a guy has a difficult court case with a guy, and, and if he leaves the money with the guy, who knows what, you know, the guy that uses it for idols, and it's really his money, and the, guy, the Jew feels all torn up about it. The Rambam also poskins, you could go to the base of pras to get your money back. Interesting, Kulo, the Rambam. These are also important mitzvot, kanodad is well known. Okay, so what we get from the Rambam, what we glean so far is that a Beis Pras or Eretz Amin, the Kohen can go into for Kavod HaBriyas. Very important Rambam.
What is a base pras? A place where the grave has been plowed over. So now the tumah spreads through the whole area. How far? How far do we assume the plow would scatter the bone fragments? The Mishnah says, and that's why now the number 100 is so important. The Mishnah says that it's 100 amma long and 100 amma wide. It's a box that's 100 amma by 100 amma. That is the sheer of a base hapras, meaning once the grave was buried there, then in a radius of 100 amma by 100 amma box surrounding that where the grave was buried, that's where you're concerned the bone fragment spread. That's where there's a status of a rabbinic olos. That's in the 17th parak of Oolos. So far, so good. All these are important pieces of information that will be put together. Next piece of information. Fa'od. Everybody knows you make a shliach, right? Shlucha shalom kamosa. But there's a very important caveat in Shlichas. I mean, I'm Benazir, Daf Yud Beis. We're going to learn this in Daf Yomi in just a week. Guide says, he tells the Shlich, listen, there's a girl I really want to marry. Problem is, she's married. <clears throat> so I can't marry her. So I know that. Fine. No problem. I'm always around. If she ever gets divorced, hop right in and be Makadish her on my behalf. I don't understand what he wants to do. He's not around the girl the whole time. The girl's married right now. He tells the shliach, let's say the neighbor of the girl, if, if she ever gets a get from her husband, go right in and be mekadosh on my behalf. That's what he says. And then that's what happened. She gets divorced. The shliach runs in, gives her the ring, and he says, this is on behalf of so-and-so. Is that a valid condition or not? Kishma right? What does the Gemara say? No. Not a good shliachas. Why not? Why not? In kedusha kedushin, the chimash in a shliach, hashta. You can only make a shliach for something that you're able to do now. If you can't do it now, then you can't appoint the shliach to do it at a later point. If you can't do it now, so since at the time you made the shliach, she was married and you couldn't be makadisher, therefore you couldn't do it at the point you made the shliach. Now that it becomes a viable scenario after she gets divorced, the shlichas can't kick in at that point. You didn't make the shliach now, you made the shliach earlier when you couldn't do it, and therefore the shlichas wouldn't go through. He has the so evidently, that's, that's a, you're right, it gets a little bit practical that we say anything that you can't do now, you can't make a shliach to do now. And then we, we continue it one step further and we say it can't kick in when it becomes viable either. That's the mamash, the subject, the gemara in, in Nazir. We'll hit it in a week and the gemara comes out. No, he cannot make such a shliach. If so, now let's go back to the orchard mushroom. We'll see that orchard mushroom is going to get so much deeper halachically. Again, what was the orchard muscle? Just a quick recap. There's an owner of an orchard who has a bunch of figs, figs, and he wants them. He tells his private assistant, go tell the sharecropper to send me the figs. Right? That's what he says. He goes, the, the assistant goes to the sharecropper. The sharecropper says, who is the owner of the orchard? I'm in charge here, not you. That's what he tells him. We've already explained that he's saying, I don't want to deal with you. The owner of the orchard says, I'm going to go down myself. I'm going to go get my figs. Everybody says, you can't. You're a Cohen. You're Tame. You can't go into the, into the, into the place because it's got to base a process. Tame. The guy says, I don't care. I don't care if there's a hundred Tumas though. A hundred Tumas that are there. I'm going to go defend the honor of my assistant. That's what the, the story with the muscle was. So now let's get into it from a halachic perspective. Now all the details come together. We're going to figure out the metrics. The case is that a Kohen has an orchard in a base of pras, which is Tommy. He wants its figs. He can't go there himself. He can only go to the base of pras for very important reasons, right? 
This is, to go get figs is not a very important reason. He's the Kohen is stuck. He can't go. Lote Avon even though he's very hungry and he desires his figs, he can't get them. So he can't even make a shliach. He can't even tell his assistant to go get them for him because what's the rule? Anything you can't do, you can't make a shliach. If you can't go personally and do that mission, then you cannot appoint a shliach to, to do it for you. Therefore, the Kohen owner of the orchard is stuck. He can't get his figs, literally. And then through his agent, he also can't because you can't, a power, you can't make a power of agency for something you can't do. Therefore, the messenger goes to the sharecropper for Amarlo and he says to him, the owner of the orchard says, you should bring him the figs. So the shliach is basically trying to do a shlichus that he can't do. He's trying to say, as I am representing the owner of the orchard and he said, give the figs. So what does the sharecropper say? You're not a shliach. Hashiva Ha'aris, what does the sharecropper say to him? Miu Balagina, who is the orchard owner? Go back to your activities. What does he mean to say? Kolomar, in You're not representing him. You know why you're not representing him? Because if he can't do it, then he can't make a shliach to do it. So who are you to tell me that I should give you the figs on his behalf? You're saying you're his representative because of shlichos. If he can't do it, then there's no power to make a shliach either. Such a brilliant way of understanding. It's a great analysis. Snapshot. Sami's denying the facts. Oh, there's no owner of the orchard. He's coming with a lambda shataina. He's saying, you're coming you can't be a shliach because he couldn't do it. So there's no shliachas on something you can't do. That's why the sharecropper who's holding on to the fig sends him flying. He says, if the Kohen wants it, come down. He can't. He's stuck. He's going to send a shliach. If he can't do it, the shliach can't work. So I'm holding the figs. Who says I have to relinquish the figs? That's what the sharecropper is saying. So much deeper than the way that the measures first go is in. But why is it a horrible mistake? It's a horrible mistake. There's an answer to the sharecropper. And the reality is he made a mistake. He could come. You know where he could do? He could just stand near the orchard. Not inside. You can't go in. It's Talmud. But he could stand near the orchard. Call the sharecropper. And tell him to bring the figs. Right? That's a very simple solution. Just make the sharecropper aware that you want your figs without entering. That's very viable. And therefore, I could make a shliach. It's a horrible mistake that the sharecropper is making. That's exactly why the coin got so upset. He's basically saying, you think that I have to go down myself personally and take the figs, and therefore, if I can't do it, I can't make a shliach? I don't even have to go inside, and I can just communicate with you and tell, me, and tell you to give me my figs. So he said, I'm going to go to the orchard. So they said, wait a second, what are you going to do? You're going to stand outside and tell him? So they said, no, 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 no. You know what I'm going to do now? They said, you're going to go inside? It's Tomei. Amalemi said, no. Even if there's a hundred Tomos, I'm going. What's his answer? Once my shliach got disgraced, wrongfully, he was sent flying. Now it's covered up rios. Now I'm allowed to go even inside the orchard. Now I don't even have to stand outside and call the shliach and call the sharecropper. Now I can actually even go in. Why? Because now it's covered up rios. That's at play. And remember, what did the Rambam Paskin? That whenever Kavod Abrios is in play, a Kohen is allowed to go into the place that's rabbinically tame in order to stand up for people. Mishim Kavod Abrios is And that's why the Kohen is saying, even if there's 100 Tumas, what's the number 100? The Teretz is because a base of Pras is Tuma is 100 by 100. That's why those numbers are so important. That's what he's saying. Now he's saying, I don't care that it's 100 by 100 Amos of Tuma. But once you disgrace wrongfully my, 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 my assistant by telling him that he can't represent me because I, I can't 
can't do it, so the, he can't be my shliach. That was wrong, because I could get it out however I want. I could go without going inside. Therefore, you disgraced him wrongfully. If you disgraced him wrongfully, now I could even go inside. Because once it's a covered up Rios issue, once it's covered a Brios issue that I play, that my shliach was wrongfully disgraced, now I have a heter to go in. I'm going to go and I'm going to stand up for him. And I'm going to say, you made a horrible mistake. He is my guy. You have to give him a lot more significance. So before we get to the nimshal, because the nimshal is going to get beautiful. Before we get to the nimshal, it's just, this is a halachic mashal here. So one more time from the halacha, the, the pashup shapa with the halacha this time. There's an owner of an orchard who is a kohen. In the orchard, there's a one base of pras where there are figs. The base of pras is medrabon and tumah. The kohen is not allowed to go into the place medrabon and even if he's dying for those figs, they seem so tasty, he's not allowed to go get it. He has a sharecropper working for him. He made a shliach to go tell the sharecropper to give him the figs. When the, presumably, it's a din of shlichas. So he goes there, and the sharecropper sends him flying, and he disgraces him, and he says, you're not a shliach. You have no business representing a person, because if he can't do it, he can't make a shliach to do it. Therefore, I don't recognize that there is an owner of the orchard. Meaning, I don't recognize that you are a shliach of the owner of the orchard, and therefore, I'm not, I'm not holding on to the figs. I'm not saying they're mine, but I'm not dealing with you. Nothing to do with you. He's dis- the assistant leaves. He's disgraced. He comes back to he comes back to the owner of the orchard. The owner of the orchard says he's very upset because it's not true that I couldn't get the figs. I could have gotten the figs in a different way. I could have gone outside, called the sharecropper, and he would have had to give it to me. Therefore, it is something that I could do. Once it really is something that I could do, then what I'm allowed to do now is go inside the tuma defend the honor of my assistant who was disgraced because there's a heter of covered up rios to go into a place that has the rabbinic tumma. That is the understanding, the analysis of the mush. Now let's get to the nimshal. Afkan, here we go. Paro Paro didn't believe in Moshe. What does that mean? Paro knew there was a God, but he didn't recognize that Moshe could be a shliach. For Amrlo, he said to him, You can't be a shliach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why? Do you think HaKadosh Baruch Hu could take the Jews out right now? He can't. First of all, he can't go redeem himself. Meaning what Paro was claiming to Moshe is that God can't come here because he doesn't want to put himself into the Tumah of Egypt. And since he's sending you, that's exactly what he's trying to do. He can't do it himself. So he's sending you to do what he can't do. Hashem would never come to Mitzrayim. That's exactly what Paro was saying. Hashem will never come here. He's sending you. He's sending this. He's sending that because he can't come himself. He won't be yurid into the Tumah. And furthermore, the whole cheshben of the years, there's a certain number of years that the Jews were supposed to be there, 400. It was just accelerated. Technically, the time is not up. So Hashem cannot do it, Paro was saying. Atkama, Hashem can't do it right now. You're coming as a shliach from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? You're not a shliach. That's what Paro was saying. Two points. Number one, Hashem can't come into Tumah. Hashem's above it. You think Hashem's going to be yurid in the Tumah? Hashem can't come and take the Jews out. So then he can't make a shliach to do what he can't do. Number two is that the timing is not right. If the timing is not right, they need to be here. I have a right to hold on to them for 400 years. So then you can't send a shliach, betoyras, a shlichas to say, come with, with 190 years that are still missing and say, no, it's time to take the Jews out. It's just like the coin who can't get his figs out and he's sending the assistant to go to go get it just because he wants figs right now. He doesn't have a validity to do that and therefore the shliach is not a shliach. Now, that's beautiful in terms of what power was saying. But why is it a mistake? What's the MS? Why is it a mistake? Have a power top as far as it really was a mistake. You know what Hashem could do? 
He could put Paro. Hashem never had to come to Mitzrayim. You think Hashem needs to come to Mitzrayim to get Paro to send us away? Hashem can just send some suffering, call to Paro from afar, from outside the field, send him some suffering to motivate Paro to send the Jews away. And he brings a beautiful example. It happened once in Jewish history when the Jews got the Aaron captured by the Plishtim. How did the, how did the Aaron come back? You know what happened? Hashem sent hemorrhoids to the Plishtim. They realized it was from God. They took the Aaron, they put it on a wagon, and they sent it away. Literally, from their own volition, they sent back the prized thing that they took captive, they sent right back. See, Hashem could do the same exact thing to Paro. Hashem doesn't need to come into Mitzrayim. You're saying he can't make a shleach to go to Mitzrayim because he can't take the Jews out because he can't go to Mitzrayim. It's not true. He could just send Paro some affliction. Paro will willingly get rid of the Jews. Hashem could do it. So therefore, all of all that happened by Paro disgracing Moshe Rabbeinu is that he was being Mavazah Moshe Rabbeinu. That's all it was. It was a mistake. Really, Hashem could take the Jews out of Mitzrayim, even if he wouldn't go down to Mitzrayim. Therefore, now Hashem, so to speak, has a header to come into Mitzrayim, even though it's Tameh. That's the whole point. Really, Hashem would not have come into Mitzrayim. Here, the, all the Tumah of Mitzrayim. Hashem's the Kayin. He's not going to go into the base of Pras. He's not going to go into the land of the Tumah with Alagechkas and the idols and everything that's in Mitzrayim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wouldn't have done that. Paro, therefore, sent away Moshe and said, You're not a Shlich, because if Hashem can't come and take him out personally, then who are you to come and do that Shlichos? But that's a bad mistake, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu could do it from afar. He could get power to send him out in any way without coming in. Therefore, all that Paro did was disgrace Moshe Rabinu. Once Moshe Rabbeinu was disgraced, now for Moshe's covered for the Heter of Kavod Abrius, for the Kavod Abrius, for Moshe, now HaKadosh Baruch Hu will come into the Tumah. That's now what happens. Hashem goes and he speaks to Moshe and Aaron in the land of Mitzrayim. It's all about validating the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu, in fact, is a shliach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's exactly now what's happening with the angels. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is about to go, yeah. Uh, Tumas Mitzrayim is stronger than Tumas Pras. It, it's Eretz Amen. Er, er, the, the, uh, I mean, also it has the idols. The idols, right. So we're going to get to one Nikuda with the idols. But yeah, so far we're just equating Eretz Amim and basic process the Raman does. But you bring out, what about the idols? We'll get to that in one sec. So Amulu Malach Yashari. So the angels now, as HaKadosh Baruch is about to go on to Mitzrayim. So the angels say, the Mitzrayim you're going to Mitzrayim, to a place of Tumah. If you look at the, if you look at the, at the Lashon of the Medrash, it's double. You're going to Mitzrayim? Question mark. You're going to a place of Tumah? What's the double terminology? Just say, are you going to Mitzrayim? Or just say, are you going to the place of Tumah? Why are you saying, are you going to Mitzrayim? And are you going? So that's exactly what's going on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it short just to get the main, the main point out. But essentially what he's going to build is that there's two dinim. There's the Tumah and there's the idols. And if you take a look at the Pasuk, that the Medrash quotes in the beginning, it says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu descended in a light cloud. Did you see that? Let's go look back at the Medrash right in the beginning. It says, Masa Mitzrayim. And then the Pasuk continues. One second, just make sure I have a full Pasuk. It's called in Rochev Al-Av Kao. Hashem is riding, is riding on a light cloud. What's the Indian of riding on a light cloud? So you have to know a little bit more in the Gemara. It'll come together. It'll come very gishmak. Let's say a person wants to fly over Eretz Amim, right? Eretz Amim is Tameh, the Kohen. The Gemara discusses, what if he goes in a wagon? Everyone knows about this from the, from the flights to Israel, from the Alal. So you go in a Shiva Tevo Migdal. And the question is, it's a light, flimsy chotzitz. The chatzitza, the barrier, is very light. So some people say, hey, there's still something dividing between you and the soil. If you're in a wagon that's going over the soil, you're not on the soil, it's fine. 
We don't paskin like that. We paskin that a light, flimsy thing is not a chotzitz. If it's just a, a wagon that a person is riding through, if he's still in, riding through a place that's tummy, he's still tummy. So why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu descend in Mitzrayim? The light cloud was not going to help him. A light cloud is not a chotzitz. You know why Hashem came in a light cloud? Because he still didn't want to see the idols. Meaning to say a light cloud, the depth of the light cloud versus a strong dark cloud. If he would have come with a dark cloud, he would have, yes, it would have been a chotes. But then he wouldn't have been in Mitzrayim. He wouldn't have stuck up for Moshe Rabbeinu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going into, into the land of Mitzrayim. He's going into the Tumah and he's doing that for the honor of Moshe Rabbeinu. But this, because of all the idols which are there, which are obviously against the covenant for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts that light covering and he compares it beautifully. You know, you know the halacha is like by, for example, when, when, there's, when there's a, um, like an inappropriate picture or, or something like that, when you're davening, right? So you're not allowed to daven in front of something that's inappropriate, erva or something like that. So the halacha is it has to be covered. How, how thick, how, how strong does the barrier have to be? There's no such halacha. It could be the thinnest thing. When you're dealing with a Tumah, the din of Tumah, then you have to be in a different place. So a thin thing doesn't help. A flimsy wagon, as you're riding over it, you're still in a place of Tumah. But in the din that you shouldn't be doing something in front of an inappropriate image, it's not an inappropriate image if it's covered. That's the depth of the Pasuk, that there was a light cloud. A light cloud, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had both at the same time. Mitzad Echad was only a light cloud, and since it was only a light cloud, so Hashem was in the place of Tumah. And He shows, I'm going here because of the covet of Moshe Rabbeinu. For the covet of Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm going to go into the place of the Eretz HaAmin, which generally has the Tumah, which the, the purity, you wouldn't think HaKadosh Baruch Hu would go, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will go. But all these idols from things that are here from Mitzrayim, what am I going to do? I'm going to make sure that there's a light cloud which surrounded the Shekhinah so that it shouldn't be there. That's the way he goes on. It's really, it honestly becomes this whole, a whole brilliant piece. How, how it comes together and what the, the role of the light cloud is. So after all is said and done, let me try to just, I guess, recap and tell you, I think, one important takeaway that, that I, I had from this whole, this whole mashal with the orchard and, and Mitzrayim. What he's explaining here, after all is done, is that where HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Nimshal was, that power was assuming that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was sending Moshe because he himself wouldn't come take the Jews out. It's beneath God. God's not going to go into the Tumah. God can't go. There's a pool of idols and Tumah. Hashem's not going to come. You're trying to send Moshe Rabbeinu because you wouldn't go there. Because you yourself wouldn't go to the Tameh place. Parotina, therefore, hey, your whole thing is shlichos. You can't make a shlichos on something that you can't do. Just like you're trying to be Makadish, a woman that was married for after she gets divorced. That doesn't work. Moshe can't be your shliach. When Paro says, who is God? What's the Zer Shimshon's taich? It means, who are you? to say you're the shliach of God. That's what he's saying. Of course, Paro knows God. He's scared of God. He's saying, I don't have to talk to you, Moshe. HaKadosh Baruch is not going to do it himself, then I don't have to talk to you. That's the whole Indian. The mistake of the owner of the sharecropper and of Paro in both scenarios is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is able to get us out without going into the Tumah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't need to take out the Tumah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could do the work from afar. He could do it from afar. Therefore, he's able to do it. If he's able to do it, then he can make a shliach to go in. But once that mistake was made and Moshe was sent away in disgrace, now HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a heter to go into the Tumah and defend the, and defend the cover of Moshe Rabbeinu because the heter, there was always a heter to go into Eretz Amen and Beis Apras because of the cover Habrios, because of the respect that we pay to, to certain people. So now I just want to tell you, I think this is like the, one of the key takeaways here in the, in the story. And again, this is all before the salvation. This is just Hashem talking to Moshe Rabbeinu, telling him the halachas of the karma. So there's a few, I think, key takeaways. But one of them, one of them is as follows. 
Look at what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in the way the Midos of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, all of our Midos, we all want to be good people, right? That all comes from, it says, We're supposed to emulate God. What does it mean? How do I emulate God? I'm not God. It means all of the Midos of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the characteristics of God, the way He deals with human beings, that's the way we're supposed to deal with human beings. So when we learn this, we're learning a story of compassion Empathy and honor. That's really what we're learning. And it's, it's, it's just a, it's a tremendous moral lesson in how to treat other people. That's really what it is. Look at our Kodesh Baruch Hu. Kodesh Baruch Hu has glory. And Mitzrayim is a place of Tumah. A Mitzrayim is not, it's not a place where our Kodesh Baruch Hu's Shechina should be. That's the whole Indian. And Paru recognizes that. And he's exploiting that. And he's therefore sending Moshe Rabbeinu away in disgrace. And he's saying, your God would never come here. And if God won't come here, then you can't appoint yourself as a shliach. I mean, he's 100% wrong because HaKadosh Baruch Hu can do things from afar as well. And we understand that to us. He didn't recognize the godless of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But what did that make Hashem do? It makes a whole Pasuk in the Torah that Hashem went into the Tumah. Of course, he had to protect himself. There was a light cloud. It shouldn't be exposed to the idols. But Hashem went into the Tumah. Make no mistake, he was inside of the Tumah. Why is Hashem inside the Tumah? It's brazen against the Shechina, against the Kedusha. How is Hashem doing that? Because of Kavad Abriyos Yerdoiche. Once it becomes a matter that you have to step up or stand up for somebody's glory, somebody came disgraced because of something that was incorrect, then your person has the right and the need to stand up. To stand up means to give kavod to somebody. And to give kavod to somebody that's of the paramount, that's of the highest value. That even the kedusha of the kain, the kain gives up on that kedusha for three, you know, not so many things. To learn Torah, to marry a woman, and for this kavod abriya is what we're saying. Which is absolutely amazing. That's what our Kaddish Baruch Hu did. The whole thing was building up Maishu Rabbeinu. It could be that the amkos of this vart is, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was not only building Moshe Rabbeinu for the moment. HaKadosh Baruch Hu built the leader of Klau Yisrael. He was giving Klau Yisrael, look at Moshe, look who he is, look, you're going to listen to him for the next 40 years, respect him, support him, because I believe in him. And sometimes when you have authority, when you have leadership, when you're in a higher position on some level, if you're gyrate into somebody else and people see that and they respect that, then you're picking somebody up. You're giving them such kayach. You might think, hey, I'm giving up on myself. I don't go there. You go there. You go with your little light you know, coverings. You don't expose yourself unnecessarily with everything, but you go down. Because if you go down and you're mechabit, you give kavod apriyas, so then you built a maishu rabbeinu. So klal yisraels v'aminu v'ashemu v'maisha avdo. All of that came because HaKadosh Baruch who saw the disgrace that happened to Moshe and was willing therefore to stand up to it.